episode 12 of the Go Get Em Agility podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes and I'm your host. Today I want to talk about some of the strategic games in agility. So the games classes, each venue has their own name for the games classes. But essentially these three classes, Fast, Gamblers, and Jackpot, are all essentially the same game. It's a point accumulation game, whereas the dog has to acquire a certain number of points uh, in order to uh, qualify in the class. Along with the point accumulation, there's also a send element within these games classes or within fast gamblers and jackpot. And so the send, also called the gamble, has usually a distance element to it where the dog has to go out a certain distance and the handler is not allowed past a certain line. And so along with the point accumulation, you also have a send element and that combination of getting both of them allows a dog to qualify or to not qualify um, if they don't get it. So you can have a ton of points, but if you don't get the send, or the gamble, then you don't get the, the qualifying. Vice versa, you can have the send or the gamble, you can get that part of it, the distance element, but you don't gain enough opening points in order to qualify. So these games classes, let me just clarify that FAST, that stands for 15 seconds and send time. So the FAST class, F-A-S-T, is AKC's point accumulation game. Gamblers, both UKI, United Kennel International, and USDAA, United States Dog Agility Association, they both call it gamblers. And that is their one of their point accumulation games. They also have another one, both of them, that they call snooker. And then CPE, which is Canine Performance Events, their uh, a point accumulation game or one of their point accumulation games is called Jackpot. They also run Snooker. And, and Snooker is similar, but slightly different. But anyway, it's a point accumulation game. So let me just explain a little bit about the game and then why I like it, why I love it, and then why I don't encourage my new handlers to run fast or gamblers for the very first time. All right, so in a fast and gamblers course, the opening section of the course, there's no set numbered course out there. Each obstacle has a point value. In UKI, they run on a point system of one, two, three, four, five. Uh, jumps are one, tunnels, tire spreads are two, teeter and six weave pulls are three, A-frame is always four, and the dog walk and 12 weave pulls are always five. In USDAA, they run on either a point system of one, three, five, seven, or one, two, three, five, and that is up to the judge to decide what point value they want to give the obstacles. Um, but essentially jumps are one, 
tires, tunnels, anything round, tires, tunnels, or six weave pulls is either on the three-point system or the two-point system. Contacts and 12 weave pulls would either be on the five-point system or the three-point system. And then they have one obstacle that is at the highest point value. And it's either 12 weave pulls or the dog walk. And that will be on the seven point system or the five. So again, the judge decides which point value system they're on. Uh, and they tell you that before you walk. CPE canine performance events also runs on the one, three, five, seven system. AKC's fast does not have any point value system. Judges randomly put point values assigned to obstacles one up to 10 jumps are generally one some jumps can be a random number that the judge assigns and then your contact equipment um, can be any number as well so you can have the weave pulls equals two points and the a-frame equals 10 points and the teeter equals five points uh, different point value is assigned to all the obstacles around the course with jumps, multiple jumps being in there that most of them are at a one point. And so because they're not numbered in order, they're randomly numbered and it's a point accumulation game, handlers need to go for the high value obstacles, the high pointed obstacles in order to take the minimum number of obstacles with the maximum uh, uh, point accumulation. And there comes a max number. So I think in fast, it's 80, I, I think. Um, and that 80 would be the obstacles that you get randomly. And then also that would include your fast, sorry, your send, your distance send, um, either getting the bonus or those individual obstacles. So let's just say, for instance, that your send obstacles was four, five, six. So you would have to do four, five, six. And then if you get that successfully from a distance, you're also then awarded a 20 point bonus. And so that bonus is required in order to qualify and so the games class of fast and gamblers and jackpot they have a point accumulation section then they also have a distance and ascend section where the handler is not allowed to cross a certain line and the dog must go out and do the obstacles in a that part of it is in a certain order and then they can gain either the class ends or they can continue to gain more points depending on which venue you're in and so because it's a point accumulation game and it's a strategic game and the higher points, you, the more points that you earn with the fastest time, that's the winner. So first, let me talk about why I love fast, why I love gamblers and the games in general. I love snooker as well. Why I love them for, for myself. I love the strategy of it. I love learning how to create a flow for my dog that gains me maximum points with the least amount of time. I find that fascinating. I find it um, difficult and I love 
trying to gain as many points as I can in the shortest amount of time. So as for my dog, who's a seasoned dog, um, it's not a big deal if my plan messes up. And so as much as I love fast for seasoned handlers and dogs that have a lot of confidence, there's also a big downside to fast. But before I go there, before I go into the downside of fast, in most agility organizations, there's now an optional FEO or NFC. So FEO stands for for exhibition only and NFC stands for not for competition. In a FEO or NFC run, the handler is allowed to bring in a toy and in some instances, you have to read the rule book for UKI, there sometimes is an allowance for food, but most of the time it is a toy and there are regulations on what kind of toy you can bring in, so read the rule book. But with uh, the NFC and the FEO, you're allowed to essentially train in the ring. You have standard course time and you are allowed to play with your dog and not be judged for your FEO or NFC run. You always want to declare that you're running FEO or NFC. And this allows you then to run a course that is flowy for your dog and then stop and reward them. So unlike running a fast class or a gambler's class for points, that what the FEO and NFC allow you to do is to run the course for flow, not for point value, but for flow and still be within the trial environment. So I do love fast for that reason. If the new handler and a, a young dog are in NFC as an FEO to train in the ring, I think fast is wonderful. But it needs to be strategically planned out. It can't. It, it, it doesn't do the dog much good if the handler runs in there and tries to gain the point value even though they're running FEO. So it needs to be strategic and it needs to be rewarding for the dog. If the dog comes off the course with a ton of confidence and is having a, a enjoyable time in the stressful environment, that is the purpose of FEO. That is the purpose of NFC. And so I do love utilizing FAST for that reason. And if every new handler went in with the intention of running a good FEO round, I'd be all over it. Unfortunately, that is not always the case because new people don't even know what for exhibition only looks like. They don't necessarily know how to train a dog in the ring for flow because learning flow, learning dog's lines takes time. The last reason to utilize the fast class or the gambler's class or just run NFC, FEO in any class that you're allowed to is to build that connection, that relationship that you need to have that's so valuable in agility is to utilize the FEO and the NFC for relationship building, for connection in that stressful environment. I have heard time and time again from seasoned handlers talking to new handlers 
encouraging new handlers to enter a fast class or a gambler's class to essentially warm the dog up, to get the dog out there without a lot of rules. And here is why when I hear a seasoned handler tell that to a new handler, especially one of my students, the, my internal oh, button is triggered. <laughs> and the first thing I see is my students going into a trial for the very first time. The last thing that I want them to think about is course design and how to create flow for their dogs. So as much as I love fast and as much as I love snooker and I love the strategic games and distance that they offer, I never encourage my new students and my handlers with less than confident dogs to enter a fast or snooker game and try and qualify. So why don't I like fast for newcomers? The main reason is because there's no set course. And because it's not in any specific numbered order, handlers can make up their own course, essentially. They become the course designers. They become the ones that are dictating the flow that the dog will run in. And let me just say something about novice, so beginning either starters or novice classes. When a judge designs a standard novice course or a jumper's novice course, they're designing that course for flow. They are designing that course to not only see the skills that the dog has learned, but to see that the handlers can move their dogs in a flowy fashion. It should look smooth. When a course is designed by a professional, they have They've, they've been taught how to read dogs' lines and, and predict what lines the dogs are likely to go on that will create flow. And so when it's done correctly, it looks very fluid and the dogs know where they're going next, essentially because of the flow that the judges have put together. And you hear all the time, oh, this is a, a choppy course or... Um, there's not a lot of flow to this course. So even at the upper levels where the flow can be a little bit more interrupted with, with change of, of direction, for the most part, if you're watching um, handlers with good skills, with a lot of dog training skills on their dogs and a lot of handling skills in, in their tool belt, they can make a choppy course look flowy. And when I say a choppy course, it basically looks like the dog's like, oh, we're turning? And they're almost jarred to a halt to go in a new direction. Whereas a flowy course, the dog looks like they know where they're going the whole time because the handler has created flow for the dog. For a soft dog, that that quick change of direction without a whole lot of warning 
causes them to question their own thought process. It may be on a course that you've set forth and they're running, looking at the tunnel, thinking they're going into the tunnel, and then all of a sudden you say, oh, no, no, we're going this direction by changing your direction, by calling their name, by yelling here. And the dog, with with minimal confidence, thought that they were going in one direction, and then they're told, no, you're actually going in this other direction. And so they lose confidence in themselves. They lose confidence in you as a handler. And then they're forced to go in and redirect onto a different strategic line that may or may not make sense to them. So that's the first reason is there's no set course that allows handlers to essentially make up any course they want, which can lead to choppy, changey, non-flowy course design. One of the other reasons that it's bad for soft dogs is because handlers that are not aware of flow and are not aware of angles for their dogs can put these soft dogs on angles of obstacles that the dogs never experienced before or that becomes more difficult for the dog. The jumping effort may become more difficult for the dog. The angle going up the A-frame may be more difficult for the dog. The angle onto the teeter, oh my gosh, this is the one that gets me the most, is that angle onto the teeter that handlers with minimal experience and dogs with minimal experience cannot handle it and they shut down. They either have bad teeter experience or they have, they, they frighten themselves and then the handler is just trying to get them through a, any obstacles to gain points. It just makes for bad agility handling. It makes for bad confidence building in dogs. Here's the other reason why I don't like fast is because dogs can make up their own course and be rewarded for it with point accumulation. So they can essentially run around the entire ring and gain points just by going over any obstacle they want to. And handlers that allow their dogs to use this as a warm up, they're losing the the valuable connection that you need for the standard and jumpers course. And so that allowing dogs to essentially do whatever they want to do, run up any obstacle they want to run up and the handlers kind of flying behind them, like come back here. Well, okay, go ahead and take that jump or no, come back here. Oh, we'll go ahead and take that obstacle too. It lends itself to just really poor relationship, a really poor connection between the handler and the dog. And essentially the dog just doing whatever they want and learning that the handler isn't even really part of the equation. So for those dogs that just like to run around and do the equipment on their own, fast is not the the class to make that better. It's going to make it worse. And so then when you enter into the standard course or the jumpers course and they do the exact same thing going and taking whatever 
random obstacle they want to, and now you get upset about it? Sorry, you can't. You just told them it was okay in the fast class or the gambler's class. So this this back and forth between it's okay now, it's not okay now, for a dog that needs structure, for a dog that needs to have a, a relationship and control through that relationship, fast is not the class to uh, jump into when you have a dog that just wants to go and do whatever they want to do. Let me give you another reason why it's fast is a bad choice for those dogs that just like to run around and make up their own courses. When they're doing that, when they finally do return to their handlers, there are times when the handlers allow them to jump back to back. So doing a jump, turn around and doing a jump again. And that habit of doing back jumps, we call it back jumping, and doing a back jump without permission, um, it it's, it's going to bite you in the butt when you get to the standard class again. Uh, the other thing that happens is that dogs change sides on their handlers without permission. And the handler just goes with it because while well, you're close to an obstacle, go ahead and take it. Let's get the point value. And that side change without permission Again, it's going to get you in the standard class. It's going to get you in the jumpers class. And so these bad habits that are allowed, even encouraged in the fast class or the gambler's class or the snooker class, it's going to bite you in the butt for other classes. And it's just bad handling, bad dog training to allow dogs to make up their own courses, make up which side of the handler they want to run on just to accumulate points. And so let's talk about the send. So here's the difficulty with the send. So in USDAA and UKI, the send is at, or the gamble is at the end of the point accumulation. So it's, you have an opening and a closing and the gamble is in the closing. So you run for, I don't know, 35 seconds and then you do the gamble. In fast, the, the send or the gamble, it's called a send in AKC. The send can be anywhere in the course. So you can do the send in the middle of point accumulation. You can do the send at the beginning of point accumulation. You can do the send at the end of point accumulation. So AKC send is anywhere within that given amount of time. UKI and USDAA, the gamble is at the end. I'm not, I cannot remember what the rule is for CPE. It's been a, a while since I've done CPE, so I'm not sure when their jackpot is, if it's in the middle or at the end. My guess is it's at the end. So here's the difficulty about the send. The send is a distance. It's almost always a distance element within the gamble. So there's a boundary ribbon that is on the floor of the arena and the handler has to stay on one side of that ribbon while the dog goes and does the send on the other side of that ribbon. Here's the difficulty for new handlers with that send. For dogs that just do their own course, <laughs> again, 
it doesn't there's no rhyme or reason for where the handler is because the dog just does whatever they want to do um and so are they sending to the correct gambler's obstacle without the dog with with or without the handler's permission the handler with a dog that just runs their own course they can be fooled into thinking that their dog is doing the send correctly when in fact it didn't matter what the handler did or said the dog was going to go do the given obstacles that they get, they did. And so if the handler happens to put them onto a good line, they'll get the gamble. Whereas if they didn't, then they're, they're not going to get the gamble. They can be lulled into thinking they've got a good distance dog when in fact they have very minimal control over where the dog was going in the first place. For the softer dogs or the dogs that are paying attention to their handler's motion and location, if distance training has not been trained, then the dogs are going to be completely confused about why the handler all of a sudden can't help them. Why the handler isn't crossing over into a desired location or distance from the obstacles that are required. And so this all of a sudden stop of the handler while they're sat there yelling jump or yelling tunnel or out or go becomes confusing to the dog. So if the dog hasn't been trained for distance in, in practice, then trying to get distance in a fast is it, going to be much more difficult. And I can tell you that for my new handlers, that while we teach commitment with some distance, we definitely don't teach it in the early stages without handler motion as part of that. And so even though we are gaining distance on a tunnel or gaining distance on a jump, there's always the element of moving with and supporting the dog on those obstacles until they have more skills under their belt and we can continue to add distance as a variable in their training. But it's definitely not high on my priority for new handlers to have a ton of distance on their dogs. I'm more worried about commitment to the obstacle and handlers supporting the obstacles with their motion, with their location, and with their verbals, rather than relying solely on verbals. And distance training can at times rely solely on verbals. So for my new handlers, all of a sudden, the dog being thrown into you go out and grab the obstacle while I stay behind this barrier ribbon makes zero sense to the dog. And the dogs are just left there frustrated, not understanding why the handler won't come with them. And so the just the mere fact of the send in the fast and gamblers class is one reason that I do not encourage it for my new dogs. When I'm looking at sending my students into a trial for the very first time, my main goal, my main objective for that student and for the dog is to preserve the confidence that we have built around uh, um, 
all the obstacles in agility. And so while I want my handlers to be successful and qualify on their first go out, it doesn't always happen. I want my students to learn just what a trial environment is about and for my dogs to maintain the confidence that they have as much as possible in a new trialing environment, which, you know, the stress level is higher, the noise level is higher. Um, there's a lot that goes on in a trial that is very, very difficult to replicate in practice. And as much as we can try and add in all those elements, just the mere fact that they're under pressure to be in a course at a certain time, it, it, it adds stress that you just can't put into a practice environment. So here's my takeaway for the fast class. I love it. I absolutely love fast. I love fast for dogs that have agility skills, a trial environment skills under their belt. And for those handlers that love to learn strategy, that want to learn how to put their dogs onto good flowy courses that they make up. I do not like fast or gamblers or snooker for brand new agility handlers. I don't think it's a good warm-up class. I don't think it lends itself well to flow. I don't think dogs making up their own courses is a good thing. I think that there's more damage done in a fast class than positive. That's my takeaway. So join into your standard class, join into your jumpers class, but I would avoid fast until your dog has more trial experience under their belt and until the handler can memorize a course that is numbered and can get around a course, a novice course that is numbered multiple times before they throw their dog and themselves into a strategic game like fast. All right, that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are others out there like, no, 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 it's a great warm-up class. And maybe it is. And used correctly for the skilled handler, I think it would be fabulous. But for the new handler who's never done a trial, I say avoid it. I say stick with your standard class, stick with your jumpers with weaves class, uh, and, and just go try to enjoy that and watch the fast class, try and learn about it but don't put your own dog into it just yet. All right, that's it. Have fun. Thanks for joining me. Please like and subscribe. And woof woof. <laughs>